Thank you for visiting the openword.org, where you can find a verse-by-verse exposition of almost the entire Holy Bible and other theological resources. Welcome to the next part of the series from Alan Schaefer. So last week we stopped around verse 28. And what we're talking, what Paul is talking about here, what Paul is doing in this section of Romans um, 118 through 320, is basically um, indicting all of humanity. He's basically saying that all human beings, all on the, everybody, is under the condemnation of God. At the end of the day, um, all mouths may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. All right? Because a lot of people think, well, I'm not as bad as I am, you know. We all like to cut ourselves slack, don't we? Yeah. So we're always, no matter where you look out there, you can always find somebody that's badder than you. No matter how bad you are, there's always somebody badder than you. All right? And we like to compare ourselves. We like to, hey, I'm not as bad as that guy or I'm okay. And we have this idea that somehow God grades on a curve. And that as long as you do fairly well, you're sort of okay. And Paul is saying, no, you're not. No, you're not. And, of course, one of the major objections that people have is, well, what about the people who have never heard about God? I mean, is God fair to condemn them? I mean, they've never heard about God. They don't have a Bible. They don't know who Jesus is. How can God be fair? And we need to understand something here, really. And I make this statement a lot. God doesn't do something because it is right. It's right because God does it. Got it? I have it up. You want it up more? Yeah. All right. Is that better? I don't want. I don't want it to echo on me here too much. I'm farther away than I normally am. All right. Can you hear me better now? All right. All right. All right. What? What? <laughs> um. See, where was I on that? argument. Um, yeah, we, people, they say, well, what about the person, you know, I know where I was at. Something is just because God does it. God does not do it because it is just. If God did something because it is just, where does the definition of justice lie? Not in God. Um, God defines righteousness and justice he is the definition of that. He does not do something because of those things. Those things exist because he does them. All right? So the very question you have is, um, how can God be just and condemn people? You're asking the wrong question. And here's the other thing to understand. What, do all, what does all humanity deserve? Hell. We all deserve that. So you have this idea that, no, God owes me one. No, God doesn't owe you anything. God owes us nothing. But what Paul says is that even the heathen who do not have God, in the sense of a Bible book or a special revelation, they do have general revelation. They can look out in the universe and see that there is a God. There is a creator. There is someone who made something out there. It's not just one big accident. And that's what he basically develops here in chapter 1. But he says, if you, the, the, the problem with the pagan is if you do not recognize God for who he is, then what's the first step down? Well, you exchange the truth of God for a lie. And you begin worshiping what? Creation. The creation. Mm -hmm. um, go to any higher educational institution today, just about, and all of them worship the creation. Mother Earth. You look at our world today in politics, we got to save the planet. We get global warming and everybody's pulling their hair on global warming. We got it. We got to save the planet. We got it. We, you know, got to save the planet. Now, let's understand as Christians, should you be, should we be good stewards of the planet? Absolutely. Yeah, we are. That's part of our stewardship, right? God did not tell Abraham, I'll go in and trash up Eden. Don't worry about it. No, you're to tend it, you're to take care of it, you're to manage it. But we don't worship it. But if you change the truth of God into a lie, you've got to worship something. We came from somewhere, so you come up with 
your own God. So you go to these professors who say we all came from stardust. The universe created us. Isn't it wonderful how this all just happened? And if you back them into a corner far enough, they just say, well, we're here, aren't we? It must have happened that way. But they reject God. And then when you reject God and, and you lose God, who is the moral lawgiver, the creator of the universe, who made the universe with certain moral and physical laws, then you start coming up with your own laws. So what's the first thing that happens? Well, you become immoral. You remove moral restraints. That happened to us in the 1960s in America. You remove moral restraints. Free love. That was when God died. Yeah. You know, it was when to make love, not war. It was when tune in, turn on, and drop out. Yeah. It was all of that. Yeah. The, the most profound statement I ever read at Oberlin College was in the um, stall in the men's bathroom. God is dead, Nietzsche. And under it, somebody said, Nietzsche is dead, God. <laughs> I still remember that to this day. Um, you, you, you become your own morality. And we, today we have our own morality in our society. When I, when, I, when I talk to people at work, you know, that are engaged to be married, they're living together. I mean, that's just assumed. No one even questions it anymore. You just, that's normal. And if you're not doing that, there's something weird about you. You exchange the truth of God for a lie, you begin to go your own moral way. And then the next step down, of course, is you go beyond that to homosexuality and bisexuality and all this other stuff. What does Paul say? They exchanged the natural use of the women. Men burning their lusts one toward another, women the same way. But we have a right. We have a right to do that. It's love. No, it's not. God created the universe with moral laws. He created the male and female, right? For a purpose, a reason. But see, we remove those restraints, and now if you say anything about that, you become a bigoted Neanderthal. You need to be silenced. You need to be shut up. You are insensitive. You're, it's hate speech now. If you say somebody's wrong, it's hate speech. We're not allowed to do that anymore. I remember when this whole thing blew up on a campus, the Oberlin College campus, where really the, the gay rights thing really took off in the 70s, late 70s. You know, they had the gay clubs and all that kind of, it really took off. And the idea is I have a right to do what I want to do and you don't have a right to tell me anything different. I can do what I want. Paul says you start out with immoral society, you go down to the homosexual gay, lesbian, whatever society. Where, and by the way, that is a blow against the, the family, right? Yep. God created the family unit as a stabilizing force in society. We don't need that anymore. A village, it takes a village to raise a child, as someone wrote a book on. No, it doesn't. It takes parents. Right. And so what you have is you have a professor at Oberlin College, I remember this, who basically citing research said, you know, research has shown that children who are in a traditional family are more stable and well-adjusted than others, and they wanted to run him out of town on a rail and remove his tenure for being anti-gay. All he did was cite research, and it wasn't even Christian research. But that's intolerable now. It's intolerable to be against that. And it wasn't even No, it was something he wrote in a journal or something like that, I remember. Was it, who was it, Gill? Mylander. Mylander. It was Mylander. Um, but it's just, it, that was intolerable in our society that someone have that viewpoint. But see, it doesn't stop there, because where does it go now? Verse 28. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them over to a debased 
mind to do what ought not to be done. All these words of God give them over is a word that was used in Greek to refer to handing over someone to a jailer to, to be condemned or to a, the executioner you, you hand them over to. God says, if you don't, if you don't uh, acknowledge me as creator, I'm going to hand you over to your immorality. And I'm going to hand you over to the LGBTQ. And then I'm going to hand you over to a debased mind, which is no mind at all. The idea there is, it's not that these people are stupid intellectually. But morally, they've lost their compass. They've broken their compass. So what happens? They don't have a mind. What do, we, what do we see in our society today? We see a bunch of people with no mind at all, morally. No mind at all. No. So you can have people in government that are transvestite, and if we don't give them the proper name, we can be canceled if we don't use the proper pronoun. God made a mistake. I'm a man in a woman's body or a woman in a man's body. God made a mistake. Does God make a mistake? When you look at the chromosomal makeup of every human being, what do you find? X and Y. You don't find X, Y, A, B, C, P, Q, X, and all these other things. You find A, you find X and Y. That's it. I saw a meme somewhere where, you know, it said in the beginning, God created the male and female, the... Uh, the Democrats came up with all the other names. Now, let's just take Democrat either and just put humanity. That's probably a better way. We all have come up with that. So you go to California, land of the fruit and the nuts, and they've got 20 or 30 or 40 different genders you can have. You know, they come up with more of them every day. What do they do? They invent these things. They invent evil. There's no mind at all. Now you can be anything you want. In fact, you can even be a man one woman and a woman the next day if you want. Doesn't matter. What do you want to be today? What do you want to dress like today? And we have no mind at all. And that's just in the, the moral. But there's other areas as well that that is in. It's not just the sexuality arena. It's every other arena. Speaking of that, if you don't mind, verse 28 through 32 is just one paragraph here in Eugene Peterson, you know, but I love how this reads. Since they didn't bother to acknowledge God, God quit, God quit bothering them and let them run loose, and then all hell broke loose. Rampant evil, grabbing and grasping, vicious backstabbing. They made life hell on earth with their envy, Wanton killing, bickering, and cheating. Look at them, mean-spirited, venomous, forked-tongued God-bashers, bullies, swaggerers, insufferable windbags. They keep inventing new ways of wrecking lives. They ditch their parents when they get in the way. Stupid, slimy, cruel, cold-blooded. And it's not as if they don't know better. They know perfectly well they're spitting in God's face, and they don't care. Worse, they hand out prizes to those who do the worst things the best. Wow. Yeah. You know what? The message. I, I like the way he put that. Uh-huh. Yeah. I like the way he put that, because that's basically it. I mean, sometimes I look at some of these words that we, and I'm going to go through them here. I think there's some better words to use than what windbags. I like that. That's awesome. But if, if you're given over to this thing and all moral restraints are loose, you quickly go downhill. Because there's nothing to keep you. There's no brakes on the car anymore. You do your own thing. Yeah. It's interesting. I was talking to my friend Gary. Um, and he, he knows a lady at their place of employment that is teaching her kids, she's got young kids, I think, that it's okay to be 
gay, and she wants all of her kids to turn out to be gays and lesbians, and she's teaching them that. Well, that's just the way it should be. I mean, we got to get rid of this patriarchal nonsense, say. See, it's rebellion, right? The bottom line is it's rebellion. And we rebel today. So we've lost our ability to think. You look in the, you know, look at your, just turn on the TV and look at some of the, cable news channels, listen to some of those programs, you just, I turned, I'm one year and, what's today's date, 21st? Mm -hmm. I am one year and 16 days cold turkey off the news. <laughs> I have not watched news since November 5th, 2020. Not watched a single newscast, news program. And I feel better. Yes. Mm -hmm. I sleep better at night. You know, um, it's better not to know what's going on, I guess. But what do what snippets I do pick up? It's just people have lost the ability to morally think. You can't think anymore, and we invent evil things. And what Paul does is he gives a list here. These are one of these major lists that he does. Um, he said these guys are filled. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness. What does it mean to be filled with something? Do you think? It's taken over. It's not a side deal anymore. It's taken over. This, these, this unrighteousness has taken over the mindset of people. So much so that they're not able to think rationally anymore. Morally. We're talking about moral things here. You're not allowed to teach, you're not allowed to think, you're, you can't think rationally anymore. They're given over to this. <clears throat> and the word there actually is being filled with. They are in a state right now, even as we speak, of being filled up with this stuff. A decay or unrighteousness. What is God? God is righteous. So what is the opposite of God? So these people are opposite everything God is. If God's for it, they are against it. If God is against it, they are for it. And see, in the, in the thinking of today, it would be unjust for God to create someone with gay tendencies and then judge them for that. That would not something God would do. God is, God is unrighteous to do that. God is evil to do that. Think about that. The creature is telling the creator he is evil. But that's what they're told today. God would never do that. You see, you see even Christian denominations, the UCC and all of that. You know, I, I was remember driving along and I see the big rainbow on the front of this. I guess it's a UCC or an Episcopal church. You know, we are an affirming community. Come on in. We don't care what lifestyle you are. We'll accept you. Well, on one hand, are we to accept the sinner? Yes, but on the other hand, do we accept the sin? And no, we don't. Christ didn't kick sinners out of his presence. If he did, there wouldn't be anybody around him. But he didn't cater to that. But see, today, if we don't cater to that as a church, somehow we're bad people. Yes. We're awful. Well, there's more and more churches with uh, gay ministers. Yeah. Right here, our, right here in our community. Sure. Two or three. Mm -hmm. um, I do jazz at this one church downtown Malaria, and they have a huge thing of the gay pride thing on mm -hmm. the wall. Yeah. And it's just so, and some of the kids I work with at Wendy's and stuff, they're very, they're really girls, but they change 
chainsaw will be fired, and it's just absolutely horrible to see my generation just going down the train. Yeah. And they all think it's cool, but a lot of them, if you hear their stories, as they say this, they say, oh, well, my parents split up, my parents are broken, I don't have a real home. They're doing that because they don't have good homes. Right. Attention. I've noticed that if you listen to their stories. Yeah. There's all kinds of reasons. One of the things is, you know, we can get all tangled up in why people get to be certain places, but if you're in a hospital with five broken bones and bleeding, they don't sit there and do an analysis for two days on how you got there. What do they do? They patch you up. There's a lot of paths to being wicked, right? But it doesn't matter what path you chose to get there, what do you need to do? God has the way out, right? You repent. That's the way out. Paul's saying these people are filled with this. And then it says fornication, that's pornea. We get pornography from that. Basically, pornea is any sexual deviation, whatever, of any kind. It's an umbrella term, basically. It could be bestiality, it could be gay, it could be transgender, it could be any, any sexual conduct outside of God's original created order is pornea. What's that? No. It's any. It's any. It's any of this. They're filled with it. And it's pumped at you. You can't get away from it. The internet. You gotta watch that. The television is bad. It's commercials. You know, you got to turn the commercials off now. The, the, the following commercial is rated X for, you know, I mean, that's about what they are now. Think about it. But we live, we live in a world of rampant pornea. In fact, it's so bad that if you are the normal person, you're the weirdo, the oddball. There's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with you. We gotta throw off the restraints. We gotta be free. We gotta have freedom to do what we want. Wickedness, pornaria, filth, filth and evil, just filthiness. In the Lord's Prayer, the disciples' prayer, actually, Christ says the Satan is the hopanarian, the evil one. Look at demon-possessed people. Where did they dwell in Christ's day? Where did you find them? Down in the tombs in the grave where the dead people are. Filthy. They live in filth. And today we have moral filth. People live in a filthy world. And they don't think anything of it. Just filthy, evil stuff. Look at some of the TV programs. They're filthy. You can't even watch them. And yet there's some of them, you know, you talk, I, I remember talking to Lee Wiggins. He said there are people in his church that know more about Game of Thrones than they do about the Book of Romans. If you watch Game of Thrones, there's something wrong with you, spiritually. It's full of evil. But see, we live in a world where it's evil. And here's the thing. What happened, here, here's and then digression a little bit. If you're a farmer and you live on a farm, after a while, what don't you notice? The odors. The odors. But if you're a city boy and you go out to the farm, what's your first thought when you get out of the car? Woo! That's horrible smell. What is that? And the farmer says, what smell? He's used to it. Our problem is, I think, in our society, a lot of us have gotten used to the smell. Mm. Yeah. And it no longer bothers us when it probably should bother us. But people aren't bothered by the smell anymore. They're, they're not bothered by their wickedness. Filth, evil. And then there's covetousness, pleonexia. That's a good word. What it means there, it's unrestrained lust. It's, it's a lust that doesn't know any boundaries. It only wants what it wants. It doesn't care what the consequences are to itself or to anybody else. 
people who are into this don't care about consequences. If, if you have a pair of shoes they want, they'll kill you and take the shoes off your dead body because they want the shoes. That's, that's the mentality, pleonexia. It doesn't matter what the pain is to anybody else. I want it, I'm going to get it. You see these people that, you know, uh, kidnap young women and rape them and kill them, pleonexia. Doesn't matter what happens to her. I want this. There is no conscience. God gives them over to this, see? They're being filled with this. God's given them over to this, this behavior. This is, this, is, this, this is a... They think they're free. That's the problem. See, I, well, I'm free to do as I want. No, you're, you're captive to your nature. You, know, you understand that, right? That's what blows my mind. Society in general has lost any sense of a conscience where they can just go up to somebody and, and blow them away. And think nothing of it. Think nothing of it. Yeah. Um, well, don't you remember God can redeem those guys too? He can. Well, those 17 Baptists, those 17 yeah. Baptists that were kidnapped, yeah. their response was, well, well, we don't want to be set free. We want to see these guys change for the better. Yeah. And Saul was kidnapping and killing all those Christians and that God was able to change their lives. Yes, they do. Our well, look. Well, look at the missionaries that were killed down in Ecuador many years ago in the 50s. Oh, yeah. You know, you got a whole tribe of Christians now because of that. Definitely. See, it's, God overcomes all of the evil, but when you look at society in general, they are being, they are filled with this. We have a society today, their people are filled with so much lust that they will kill, murder, steal, anything to get whatever it is they want. They, they have no restraints on them. It's an unrestrained lust. It happened all of us in some ways. Yeah. The things, in other words, it, and they commit these sins or these acts so often it doesn't do anything anymore. They, no. They start out minor, but then they want something more. gets more severe, or but then after a while, I think the same thing. Uh, if you brought somebody back from that passed away, like in the fifties, and showed them TV and things now, would that be that would be a shock, such a shock to their soul? Yeah. To see what's happened and what we just we just take it as commonplace. Yeah. You know, even we, even we, take it we tolerate things today we have no business tolerating because we're used to it, we're desensitized to it. Now how do you get your sensitization back? You gotta get back to God's word. Yeah, get back into the word. God's gotta reset your instruments. Holy Spirit. But they're filled with, then maliciousness, kakia. Again, it's filth, wickedness, desire to injure others, ill will. Ill will. People want ill will towards other people. Maliciousness. We have a malicious society, right? Look at the latest big, uh, what is it, uh, the, the um, court case that just ended. Yeah, just think of the maliciousness that a lot of people had towards him. No, no knowledge of what went on, just maliciousness. Wanting to harm somebody. Well, see, you know. it's hard to talk about some things because I personally, first of all, as you already know, Alan, uh, I, I'm totally against guns. I know that you are for them. I don't see the rationale of walking around strapped with an AR-15 on your body. I, to me, and I know that the conservatives are for Rittenhouse and the liberals are not, and yeah. I'm either. Yeah, I'm, that, that, yeah, well, I don't want to go down, I don't want to go down that path. That's not what I'm trying to get at. I know. What I'm trying to get at is that's just an example of yeah. one of many mm -hmm. where society runs off with malicious slander against somebody without even knowing what's going on. That's, that's just an example. Yeah. Okay, that's not, I probably shouldn't have brought that one up, but that's just one example of many. Yeah, it's, it, we live in a society where people, people make, make their minds up and they're malicious. 
How can I hurt somebody? You know, how can I how can I spin it in the worst possible way? Yeah, and that's what we're doing. We're seeing people. We spend things in the worst possible way to try and hurt somebody. People we don't even know, actually. Um, it's maliciousness. And then it goes here, uh, envy. What's that? I want what you have. You know, our society is built on envy. You need a better car. You need a bigger house. Yeah. Oh, if your spouse isn't making you happy, get rid of them and get somebody else that'll make you happy. We live in that kind of society, right? You always want something else. Paul says um, godliness with contentment is a great gain. You don't need the latest, greatest, best, unless it's a computer, you need that. But other than that, you don't need the latest, greatest, and best of anything. All right? Gotta be Mac. But, you know, the point is we live in a society where it's, it's driven on envy. I, had a, I remember talking to somebody, um, we, were, we were discussing, I forget what, what the context was, and, you know, he, he said, well, you know, what about Christians buying lottery tickets? You know, or, or else going to Vegas. He liked going to Vegas and, you know, playing the slots a little bit. And I said, well, let me ask you a question. You know, he said, what do you think, you know, What's your Christian spin on that? I said, well, I would never do it. I said, well, why am I taking God's money and throwing it to chance? You know, God gave me that to be a stewardship. But I said, let me think about it. Let me ask you a question. If it wasn't for greed, would those industries exist? They wouldn't exist. So you're telling me an industry built on a vice is a good thing. Got him thinking a little bit. We live in this world where get rich quick, get more money, get, you know, play the lottery, get to be the big winner. You find these people win this stuff and they lose their life in the process. Easy come, easy go. Easy come, easy go. But we live in a world of envy where we want something that somebody else has. I think television. And television's really good at that, right? You know, I mean, you see this really cool sports car zinging along on TV, and you look out and see your little Honda with 80, 180,000 miles on it, you say, wow, you know, maybe I need something better than what I got here, you know. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Murder, Thonos, killing. We live in a murder society. People kill. They get mad. They get angry. I think it's interesting, this list of all these evil things uh, that people do or can do and everything, and then right in the middle of it, they disobey their parents. Mm -hmm. yeah. So here's what God is good at. We can say, amen, brother, preach it. Amen, amen, amen. Oh, disobedient Oh, Wait a minute. Now, wait. Hold, stop. Now you're hitting closer to home, right? Now you stop preaching, you're going to meddling. Now you're going to meddling. Yeah, you stop preaching, you're going to meddling. You know? But for killing other people, we just, we live in a murderous society. Look at Chicago, you know, 1,500 murders a year. 1,500? Kids just, you know, they're out playing, playing skip rope and somebody drives down the road and unloads a clip of bullets and kills them. Nobody thinks anything of it. A murder society. Debate. That's interesting. Debate here. This is uh, contention, strife, wrangling, argumentative. I.e. all the talk shows on TV. Yeah. Argumentative. Wrangling. Always debating. Now, by the way, is it, does that mean you're not supposed to stand up for the truth? Of course not. But Christ said, don't cast your pearls before swine. So if the view calls me up to go on the view and give my opinion on something, I'm not going to do it. Why? Well, that's a good, you know, you do your testimony. No, no. You got argumentative people on there that all they want to do is debate and argue and cut down. And I'm not going to go do that. 
Vance Havner said, you can, a dog can lick a skunk any day. It just isn't worth it. It's not worth it. Did Christ debate everybody that he came in contact with? Why? He could have blown them away, couldn't he? I mean, he was, he could have won every argument. Why didn't he argue with these guys? It wouldn't do any good. It wouldn't do any good. We have a world today that people just like to argue and fight and keep the things boiling. Look in politics. I mean, I just love both of the political parties just say, let's cut this crap out and let's, let's just get along. Let's try to solve some problems here. Uh-uh, you can't do that. You got to just keep arguing and fighting and me versus them and us versus they and all this and just keep it going. But that is the character of someone who's been given over. They, they argue, they fight. Because it depends on who, who uh, says what about any given issue. If my guy, my party says that I'm for it. If that party says it, nope, get against it. It's not even about the issue. It's not even about thinking anymore. Right. It's about us versus them. It's insane. But listen, folks, that's what we've been given over to. When our society is kicked out God, this is what you get. We've made our bed, now we've got to sleep in the thing. God's given us over to this. Deceit, that's another one. That's, another, that's dula, dulu. It's the bait. It's the idea of luring with bait. Deceiving somebody. We live in a world of deceit. Things aren't true anymore. It's how do we spin them to, to, to make our, our viewpoint look good. Look at our last year and a half of all the stuff going on with COVID and everything. How much of that is true and how much is just plain spin to get something? 90%. Just spin, just deceit. People deceive you all the time. You go in to buy something, they deceive you. This is the best thing in the world. You buy it and find out it's not the best thing in the world. There are people out there that are, you ever run into somebody that's they're always working an angle? Always working an angle. Deceit. What is Satan called? The deceiver. Now understand something. <clears throat> Satan is a liar from the beginning, right? But how does, what's his most effective way of lying? Deceiving. Deceiving. By the way, as a Christian, you have no business to deceive anyone about anything. Would, by, would Christ say, let your yes be yes, your no be no? No deceit. In fact, when, Paul, when Christ met Nathaniel, what did he say? Indeed, a Israelite with there is no guile. No deceit. Deceit is when you're always trying to spin something. Um, this could also refer to people who always want to make themselves look good. You know, they always try to put a good spin on things to build themselves up. Deceit, working an angle. James uses this in James. Everyone is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed the word drawn away, dulo means to be drawn to bait, to be deceived, to be, you know, fish looks at that worm and says, ooh, dinner, and he becomes dinner. All right? It's bait. Malignity, bad character, crafty. Kakothea, craftiness, sneakiness. People are sneaky and crafty out there. Whispers, that's a good one. Sir, sir, Ristas, it means to, to secretly slander, to destroy someone's character by innuendo. Again, look at what's going on on our TV stage. If you can't win the argument, what do you do? You destroy the character of the person. You speak evil of them. You try to spread some rumors and stories and... That's the best way to get your point across. If I could just ruin their, their reputation, I win the argument, right? 
We're full of that gossip. That's the other thing. Gossip, slander, just whispers. Steer about so-and-so. And it's just, you're just adding a little bit of doubt into there. Backbiters. This is a hapax and it's onomatopoetic. You know what onomatopoetic means? It's a word that sounds like what it means, like buzz, bees buzz. You know, it's onomatopoetic. Katalalia. Lalia is to talk. Constantly talking. Making up stories. You ever talk to somebody just there? They just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. You're always talking about people and things and on and on and on and on. You can't shut them up. It's like that t-shirt, I'm talking and I can't shut up. They're a defamer. You're defaming people. You're trying to make people look bad. Look at the political arena, just all the parties. What do we do? Our, the goal of the of our parties to make the other party look bad. We just spin everything the worst possible way imaginable. And if we can't, if it's not true, we'll make it up. And we do that in our lives too. Catalalia. Yappa yappa yappa. Haters of God. There's a good one. Theosturges means to hate God, to to despise hateful to God. Why do people hate God? Because I think because he is like a conscience to them. They, they and they don't want that. They don't want him around. It's like God knows what's going on, and they they know these things, but they want to ignore it because they don't want anything to hinder what they're doing. I think it's like now a lot of people say, "Well, I don't hate God. He's okay." What Crocodile Dundee said, he, God and I are mates. Now, wait a minute. I like Crocodile Dundee's sort of fun show, but the whole point there is this. God hates you if you're a sinner, right? No. No, God hates sin. God hates sin, but it also says God hates the wicked every day. But God's, per, God's hatred is a perfect hatred. It's not like our messed up hatred. All right? But God hates sin. You're right. He hates the evildoer who does evil. God saves us. When we're when did you know when we were God's enemies, what did he do? He saved us. He saved us. God's a God of grace. He doesn't exact his vengeance. But people who hate God, they understand God is their enemy in the sense that God is against sin. But they're the enemy of God too, right? Because of their rebellion. It could be a passive rebellion. It could be an active rebellion. Some people just don't want God telling them what to do. I'll do my own thing. I'll live my own life. I don't want to be told how to live my life. Most people don't want anybody telling them what to do. No. And we see that in our society as a virtue. The independent person. Don't tell me how to do. I'll live the way I want. But they hate God. Yeah. They have I, people have the idea I'll stand before God and I'll argue my way into heaven. No, you won't. Doesn't work that way. God knows everything. But these people hate God. And they're despiteful. What is, this is an interesting word, hubristes. It means to inflict harm for the pleasure of inflicting harm. It's people who get pleasure out of hurting other people. Beating them up. And you get pleasure out of beating somebody up. You enjoy that. Look at some of the rioters. and People riot and beat people up just for the sake of doing something fun. That's hubristes. It's a nasty word. In Greek, there are people that just want to inflict harm. They want to hurt people. They want to inflict all the pain they can on somebody else. They're proud. What does it mean to be proud? You're puffed up. The root word here has, means to be filled with smoke. You're blown up. You're puffed up. 
You're proud. You're always drawing attention to yourself. Other people that always draw attention to themselves. They're the heroes of all their stories. They're the, you know, the best. And by the way, listen, let's think about this. All of us think of ourselves as better than we really are, don't we? Probably. Cut down underneath all of the mumbo jumbo and all the layers and, and, and we'll sit there and we'll, we'll cut ourselves an awful lot of slack and we'll think we're a lot better than we really are. So God would come to us and say, okay, on a scale of 1 to 100, how good do you think you are? And we say, yeah, I'm probably about out of 50. God says, well, you're 49 points higher than I would rate you. We all do that. We're all part of that. But evil people see themselves. Here, here's the point. Here, the, <clears throat> this is one of the things to understand about some of the evil, wicked people you deal with. They don't wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to be wicked and evil today. What do they do? They wake up thinking they're doing what? The right thing. Well, we also they think they're doing the right thing. We judge ourselves according to other people too. Right. Now, obviously, I'm not near as bad as Alan Schaefer. No, you're not. So you're okay. You're good. And that's what people do. You know. You know. Look what he's doing. Look at Gary does. You know. Yeah. Well, the point is, the point is, we're all we're all comparing ourselves to one another. Guys, said, wait a minute, that's not the comparison. The mark is perfection, and you all fall far short of that. But most people today, <clears throat> you know, I look at some of our politicians. I don't think they wake up saying we want to be evil today. No. Well, maybe some of them do, but I think but most of them probably don't. They think they're doing the noble right thing because they talk themselves into that. Because they are their own judge, moral judge. They're proud. They, they <coughs> focused on themselves. And by the way, that was the sin of the universe, right? What got Satan into trouble? Pride. And the Bible says that God resists the proud. In fact, two of the seven things the Lord hates are a proud looking and a boastful person. God hates those kind of people because you got the wrong, the wrong measuring stick. Boasters, what's that? Empty pretender. They boast. They boast about things they can't do anything about. They boast about themselves. They make themselves out to be the heroes. This, by the way, is used here in 2 Timothy 3, 2, where it talks about, that's one another list that Paul has where people are money lovers, pleasure lovers, boasters. The Bible says, boast not yourself of tomorrow, for you know not what a day will bring forth, right? Let me ask a question. Can any of you guarantee anything? I could say, you know, I'm going to be here next week to teach uh, Romans chapter 2, and I get run over by a truck on Friday. I can't guarantee that. I can't guarantee anything. Boasters are people who guarantee stuff that they have no control over making happen. Inventors of evil, that's a good one. <clears throat> they come up with new ways. It's, it's, it's almost like, how can we come up with some new evil? How can we create some new evil things? This refers to people who think, how, how can we do wrong? And by the way, here's the thing. If you don't have God as a moral compass and you start thinking, what kind of thinking are you going to do? Not good. Not good. So we have a problem today, teenage pregnancy. So let's, let's give the fifth graders condoms. That'll solve it. I'm not making it up. I mean, you know that's going on out there. Education will invent evil. No. Disobedient to parents, that's another one. This, by the way, why is that tossed in there, do you think? How do evil people get their start in life? Poor upbringing. In a lot of cases, possibly. I mean, what, what, what is the one thing that parents are instructed to do in Proverbs again and again and again? Train up a child. Train up a child. Now, it, there's outliers, right? You can do the right thing and you've still got one that goes left. I get that. But generally, generally, what's the role of a parent? Generally. 
train up their child. Spare the rod, spoil the child. Yes. Parents, if you don't raise your kids, you, you hate them, the Bible says. But many parents just want their children, just don't bother me. I'll don't you, bother me. I'll give you whatever you want, or just don't, don't cause me grief, or get in my way, or bother me in my lifestyle. Or yeah. We live in a very self-centered society. Kids throw temper tantrums. I mean, there's, I've always been tempted at Christmas time to beat up little kids. You go to the store and they're screaming at your mom because they don't buy her the toy they want. You know, I said, I'll, I'll give you something to cry about. That's what my mom always told me. Right. You want to cry? I'll give you something to cry about. And dad will do it when he gets home too, so you'll get a double whammy. You know, don't, don't pull that on me. But see, today people are disobedient. And, and the idea that this spills over when you're young, it's your parents, but when you get older, what do you disobey? All government authority. We have a society full of people that are disobedient to government. They don't respect authority of any kind. They don't respect their bosses at work. They don't respect the police. They don't respect the government. They don't respect anybody. Because they've never been trained to respect anybody. Without understanding, what does that mean? They don't have any, they're senseless. Asunitas, senseless. We live in a world today where people just don't have any sense. Now this is moral sense. It's like, what are you doing? You know, one of the problems as a Christian I have sometimes, I look at people, what they do, and I just like, what are they thinking? I mean, that's, that's got to be like the dumbest decision anybody can make. Why are they doing that? And I got to, wait, stop, all right. They don't have the Holy Spirit, what do you expect them to do? They're not a believer, what do you expect? They're senseless. Covenant breakers, what does that mean? They don't keep their word. They lie. Here's something the Bible says. The Bible says if you make a pledge, what are you to do? Keep it. Keep it. If you make a promise, what do you do? You keep it. One of the things that, Paul, that the psalmist says in Psalm 15, one of my favorite psalms, you want to hang around with God, you want to be in God's presence, then God hangs around with people who swear to their own and do not own hurt and do not relent. What does it mean? When they make a promise and they find out, oh, that's painful, they still keep their promise. Today we'll keep a promise provided it's convenient for me to keep my promise. If you borrow money, pay it back. If you say you're going to be somewhere, be there. If you make a commitment to do something, do it. We understand that there are things that sometimes come in and prevent you from doing that, but so then your, your word should be your bond. You know, Sammy said she's going to be there at noon. It's 11.59. She'll be here. Don't worry. She'll be here at noon. And if she's not, she's probably, you know, got a crisis that prevents her. But it's not because she just says, ah, you know, I got something more important to do. I said I'd be there, but I'm not going to go there. We live in a world that people break their covenant. They break their word. Implacable. What does that mean? Unable to be reasoned with. There are some people you just can't tell them anything, right? Why, why would you go on the view and try to reason with them? They're implacable. They're not going to listen to you. They're going to make fun of you. They're going to, be, they're going to belittle. And, and Yeah, Christ wouldn't do that. When, in fact, when Christ had Pilate and Herod question him, what did he do to them? How did he respond? He didn't. Why? Wouldn't have done any good. I'm not going to talk to you. Without natural affection, I skipped one. What does that mean? Astorges. This is the people who don't have even the natural affection they should have. It's women who, who put their newborn babies in the dumpster and walk away. Unthinkable. Mothers who throw their kids out. The, the normal family bonds are broken. Without natural affection. I mean, Paul's saying there is a natural affection that we have Mothers to kids, husbands to wives, kids to parents. And he said, these people don't even have that. No natural affection at all. Unmerciful, what is, huh? Speaking of that, last Sunday I was so heartbroken when Pastor Jim was talking about how fathers would toss daughters or either yeah. sex with blemishes onto the trash heap. Yep. In Roman in Romans times, 
you know, in fact, we have a letter from a soldier right back to his wife saying, hey, you know, I hope you're doing all right, you know, um, here's some money for the household, you know. By the way, you know, when you bear a child, if it's a boy, keep it. If it's a girl, kill it. It's just in the letter. We have one of those letters. Abortion is probably one of the best ways this is shown. A woman who's pregnant has no affection for her kids. Cut it out, get rid of it. It's in a way. I want my freedom <clears throat> without natural affection. Unmerciful means heartless, no mercy at all, no care for other people. And what's Paul's summation of this? People, he said, people know this. It's not, by the way, the word know there, it's not oida, it's head knowledge, it's epignosis, deep knowledge. It's, it's, a, it's a deeper knowledge. It's, it's not like they just know about, but they actually know it deeply that this is wrong. They know it is wrong, but they don't care about it. And not only do they not care about it, what do they do? They know God's decree that those who practice these things deserve to die. Listen, they not only do it themselves, but what do they do? They approve of it. I know. And we have no concept of either one of heaven, how glorious that's going to be, mm. or it's hard to in the concept of what hell's going to be, and yeah. the punishment and the, and the uh, pain and things like that. So well, the word give approval here means to give assent, consent to, to okay. I was talking to some people and they say, Look, you know, I, I think gay's wrong, I think homosexuality is wrong, but you know, I'm okay with the government allowing gay people to marry. Wait a minute, you're giving consent to evil behavior. You can't do that. You can't do that. We can't consent. And one of the things I thought about on this, and I'm, I'm now meddling, I'm sorry, but how much of our entertainment that we have bring ourselves to consists of people doing evil things and we don't think anything of it? We watch movies where hundreds of people are killed and we think nothing of it. We take, we take it as entertainment. We're entertained by it. If something's not blowing up or anything like that, you know, it's boring, right? You've got to have big explosions and all kinds of stuff and chaos and mayhem and horror movies, you know, where you've got people being it's Freddy Krueger or whatever his name is. I never watched one of his shows. But, and people, people take pleasure in that. And it's like, wait a minute. I'm wondering if this applies here. Do we take pleasure in and approval to these things by not, by engaging in the entertainment of them? Well, I think that's what we got to watch that. Well, there is more violence. Everything we see in the movies and, and the video games and the things mm -hmm. that uh, kids play or young people play, Absolutely. Uh, it's, it desensitizes them even more. That's what their whole yeah. lifestyle is, and pretty soon they act it out. Well, you look at, game, you know, I was talking to my friend Lee, Game of Thrones, one of the hottest shows on TV, I guess. Never watched an episode of it. <clears throat> it's not on anymore, it's over? Okay. It used to be really, you know, very popular, but it had a lot of themes in it that every Christian has no business being. But people watch that and enjoy it, and I can't wait for the next episode to see what happens. And it's like, wait a minute. Why are you doing that? Is it possible you're giving consent to that? Yeah, well, there it is. What bugs me is I can, there, some show comes and I like it and I'm getting a lot out of it, but then the agenda incorporates characters in it that are... Happened to me. I love Star Trek and what happens in Discovery. They got a gay character. I, I enjoyed the first season of Supergirl. What happened? Find out her sister's a lesbian. Boom. There goes the whole show right out the window for me. Yeah. I love this until they threw the, that theme in there. So, you know, you got all kinds of stuff. And the point is, I, here's the thing, folks. This is our society. We've been given over to this. This is what we've been given over to. And it's part of God's judgment on our society. 
And it's not going to get any better. So what do we need to do as Christians? We need to understand that these people are bondage to this. And they're our mission field. Not to be hated. But we're out of time. So we'll pick up with chapter 2. <laughs> Ten weeks in chapter 1. So we do get answered. Yeah. Father, thank you so much for this time of study. And um, we're sobered by what we looked at. We can't help but look around our world today and see every one of these things being worked out. And it seems they're getting closer and closer and closer to where we're at. We see a society given over to these things. And it's part of your judgment, Father, when a society rejects you and they reject the truth and they reject your commands, what are they left with but their own devices? I pray that we would not be fallen, be part of that. But we'd stand out as salt and light, call people to repentance and faith, and be witnesses and a testimony in a world that's getting even darker in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening. This podcast was made in part with creative consulting and production assistance by Third Mass Studio. For your production needs, send an email to thirdmassstudio at gmail.com. For other lectures in this series and more biblical media resources, visit theopenword.org.